Welcome back. In this week's episode, we discuss an Israeli politician opposing the Green Pass, the importance of economic education, and Florida's Stop Woke Act. I'm Luke. And I'm Rody. And this is the Right Side of the Compass podcast. Well, I hope you all had a great week so far. I had a great weekend myself. How are you, Rody? Um, I am good. Had a good week and weekend, um, but I'm glad to be back. That's good. That's good. We got some interesting topics today. So the first topic, uh, this is a topic that I'm, as an Israeli, I'm, I'm ashamed that I didn't know about this. This is two months old, but I have to cover this because, um, number one, because I think it's important to, for people to see that Israel is not just this complying country, but also for other Israelis to know that there is resistance to this. Uh, Javier Knesset, member of parliament, Gadi Yavarkan, opposes the Green Pass in full view of the Knesset. And I think I think the story is actually kind of interesting for many, many... Yeah, so uh, would you like to go into details about that? So the whole... So there was an exchange two months ago in the Knesset, the parliament, the Israeli parliament, between a, a member of parliament, Gadi Yavarkan, and Nitzan Horowitz, who is the health minister, you might call him the COVID czar in the United States, and then presiding over it, I, th- I think, I don't know how the Knesset works because I pay attention to American politics because I think it's just way more interesting. Israeli politics sounds like a bunch of hens clucking. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, like, I kind of hear that. Though. <laughs> uh. No, it's just, it's just that it's so... It's so not sophisticated because unlike any other, I don't know, representative government, the the Knesset really is just it's it's the worst of every single representative democracy. It's it's like it's like imagine there was a committee to found Israel and the guy with all the really, really good ideas was just really annoying. <laughs> so everyone else did the opposite out of spite. That's kind of what the Knesset is. It's like Anything that would possibly make the Israeli democratic system a an interesting, good body, political body, it seems that all of that went straight out the window. There, there's no, like, there, there isn't really even separation of powers in Israel, which is kind of nuts. Um, it's just the Knesset and the Supreme Court. But I'm amazed by the Israeli government. I really am sometimes, but... Anyways, I wanted to talk about this uh, situation. You've got this Gadi Yavarkan guy. He's a he's a member of Knesset. He's part of the Likud party. I didn't know that until I saw the video, but now I just want to vote for him. That's this is how uh, this is how crazy. Like the first thing it says, "Who is this guy and how can I vote for him?" That was like my my question. And uh, he's talking about. He basically says that he's. This is this is what what he says. He he makes like a short little. A thing he says something along the lines of, "I'm for vaccines. Uh, I got sick from COVID. Then I took the first vaccine, and then, you know, I, I, and then he says you got to oppose the Green Pass because it's dividing Israeli society. He sees that on Facebook, on Twitter, there's a lot of Israeli parents that want to separate their kids from the other kids who are not getting vaccinated or whose parents are unvaccinated, right? Do you see that too? Oh, yeah, I see that. You, it's crazy. You go on like some Israel, like 
I want to say Israeli Facebook groups because I don't really participate in those, but I see a lot of American groups in Israel and you see a lot of people on both sides of the issue, but it's very, the people who are, here's the thing, the people who are, who are quote unquote anti-vax, they actually don't care if you get vaccinated or not. Like, I, I don't give a crap if you get vaccinated. I don't give a crap if anyone gets vaccinated. That's not my problem. I just want to, I want the right to make that decision for myself because I've thought about the issue. I've, you know, and I don't want to talk about certain things because I know YouTube has uh, copyright, uh, not copyright, they have uh, guidelines on what you can and cannot say about COVID and the vaccine and this and that. So, and I want my videos to be on YouTube, but suffice it to say, I've made the, I've made the, I guess, for lack of a better term, educated decision to decide not to get vaccinated. And I don't want other people telling me, oh, you can't participate in this and that, and you have to do this and you have to do that if you decide not to get vaccinated. That that was my decision. And that's what Gadi Yavarkhan was saying, that that people have the right to choose. And if you put this barrier between people who are not vaccinated and participation in society, namely the Green Pass, you're not really giving them much of a choice. That's like saying, oh, that's a nice business you got there. It'd be a real shame if, you, if it burned down, you know. <laughs> it's a, that's, wow. that's not a choice. That's the mafia. You can always choose not to pay the mafia, but that's not like who does that, you know? You know, I definitely understand it. It's like, oh, we're not forcing you to take the vaccine, but if you don't, you can't do anything. So right. it's like it's like a backhanded version of mandating it without actually mandating it. Right. And so what happens? Then then Gadi Yavarkhan is in the middle of talking. And this is one of the most telling things to me in, in like I don't watch a lot of Israeli politics. Like I don't watch what goes on in the actual Knesset so much. I probably should because you know, that would that would be useful for the show, I suppose. Well, as you coined it, if you like uh hands <laughs> clucking at each other. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> no, and th- I think this is why, because I, I just get angry watching the Knesset, more so than I think Congress, because Congress is more like I don't know, I think there's there's some like genius to Congress, whereas whereas in the Knesset it really just is a den it's just like a den of liars over there. It really just it feels like just you can have contempt for Congress all you like, but you don't really hate a democratic body until you've seen the Knesset, you know? And I think the meeting was presided over by Ahmed Tibi. Now, Ahmed Tibi, okay, you should know, he's this Israeli Arab, right, who identifies with the Palestinian liberation movement. He's very anti-Israel. He he ran on the joint list. He's constantly yammering on and on and on about how bad the Israeli defense forces are and how this and how that. He's pretty much the enemy. Like that's that's what that's how fifth column you can get in Israel. You can get elected to Knesset if you if you hate Jews. So go figure. Um, so he was presiding over the meeting, and Nitzan Horowitz was next to him. Now Nitzan Horowitz, I mentioned the other week ago when I was talking about the Minister of Health wanting to loosen abortion laws. That's this guy. Right. So you see this in action. You see this guy who's saying, hey, let's get rid of the green pass. Let's just tell people that there's this vaccine. They can get vaccinated if they want and it can be their choice. And then you have these two characters, one who's an Islamic supporter of jihad, who has no business being in the Knesset, 
And then you have this other guy who, who may as well, like, he stands against everything that's good and just. And the guy who hates Israel is telling the guy who – the bad person who, who wants the green pass and the abortions, he's telling him, oh, you can shut that guy up. And then Nitzan Horowitz had the audacity to say that, oh, we need people to get the vaccine. And, oh, you know, if you pay money, <laughs> you can get a, a COVID uh, a test, which will allow you to participate in society again for a couple of days if you don't want to get the vaccine. So we're not stopping you from participating in society. Oh, thank you, Minister Horowitz, for your uh, generosity and your uh, magnanimity. Thank you for allowing us to participate in society if we pay the nominal fee. For the record, uh, I think to convert the, the cost in shekels to dollars, I think the antigen test, which gets you a one-day pass, costs $10 US, and the one that gets you a three-day pass, the PCR test, it costs you around $30. Wait. This is a passport or pass just for getting tested, not for being vaccinated? Yes. So if you get a negative COVID test, right, you can also get a green pass. But it doesn't last as long as the one you get for being vaccinated. Anyone can get a green pass regardless of their status as vaccinated or unvaccinated. It's just that if you get vaccinated, you get a green pass that lasts until the next booster. Oh, so the next six months while... If you didn't get vaccinated, it would just be three days. Yeah, that's that's the incentive that people have. They essentially said, oh, you can't do anything. But if you get the vaccine, we'll let you do things. We'll give you your rights back. We'll allow you to participate in society. I, I know a guy who goes to school. He's not vaccinated. And so the only way – and they stop Zoom classes, of course. So the only way he can go to school is that every like twice a week he needs to get PCR tests, which costs 200 shekels. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's, that's like 60 bucks a week on top of paying money to live and go to school and work and this and that. Presumably he lives with his parents. There's no way that you can pay rent and, and pay for food and do this. If you're also then going and getting a PCR test twice a week, there's no way. He's actually doing it. Yeah. Which, that's more than I'm doing. That's for sure. <laughs> the green pass is why I'm not in school. If it wasn't for the green pass, I'd probably be in school right now. But I'm not really interested in getting the vaccine, and I'm not really interested in spending sixty dollars a week for the privilege of going to school. Oh, thank you. I can now learn about uh, what it is, whatever it is that you're trying to teach me, whatever no liberal nonsense you're trying. To oh, thank you. What would I have done without you? So what's it called? So about this guy who's uh, so. You just want to bring up that there are people pushing back towards the vaccine and that there is some sort of hope. I don't know if hope is the right word because the thing is, is that you didn't quite understand what was going on in the in the uh, exchange. And I, I think we need to work on your Hebrew. But more importantly, um, well, it's, it's been a while, so I'm a little bit rusty. That is true. That is true. We, But we, we need, you know, since you're on the show we need to be able to discuss Israeli politics. That's just the reality. So, you know, we need to work on your Hebrew, but that's for off the camera. Uh, we can discuss more later. That uh, That's not to get you in trouble, by the way. You're a very good guy, you know, but we do need to work on your Hebrew. Anyways, um, but as someone who was watching the exchange, I felt, I felt disrespected. You know, I, I wasn't there. I didn't, it, it brought out in me the same emotions that I felt 
when I was watching Naftali Bennett talk about how the people who are not vaccinated are irresponsible, and he essentially accused us of being criminals. It was the same thing. Like, just if you say anything bad about the vaccine in Israel, the higher ups feel like they have the right to tell you to shut up. They have the right to tell you, oh, you're stupid. You're a fool. I remember speaking to a doctor and he said, like, I told him that, like, I don't want to get the vaccine partly for health reasons and partly for political reasons. I don't want to I don't want to give the Israeli government the W. Right. And he's like, well, your your political reasons are stupid. Like, that's not your decision, doctor. I'm asking you for medical advice. I'm not asking you for politics. And uh, he said, oh, so I'm going to I'm going to prescribe. I think he used the word prescribe in Hebrew. I don't remember because it was it was an offhand exchange. And I'm going to prescribe to you a visit to the to the cemetery so you can see how many people died of COVID. I'm like, that's inappropriate. But yeah, no, they, they think like they could just the people who are pro vaccine, like not just like, oh, I, I want to get the vaccine, but people who are like for other people taking the vaccine, not for themselves taking the vaccine. Pro-mandate. Pro-mandate or pro-coercion, right? Because it's not not a mandate if they can't force you to do it, but it is coercive, right? So pro-coercion. Those people, they have no boundaries. No boundaries, like absolutely no boundaries. They They don't think like, oh, what I'm saying, is it rude? Is it not rude? Like, it's crazy. And they're somehow the most uneducated about COVID right? Somehow the most uneducated. It's amazing to me. I was trying to explain to this person, like, listen, you know, it's their kid. I can't tell, I can't be their their kid's parent. You know, they have to be their own kid's parent. I'm just going to preface this. What I was trying to explain to them, why do you need your kid to be vaccinated? Your kid has no chance of getting COVID. Your kid can't get COVID. It's impossible. It's not impossible, but it's like so unlikely. It's it's a very low statistics, but even if they do get it, it's it tends to be not serious. Yeah, but, but that's the thing. Like, the reason I would want my grandmother to get the vaccine is because if she gets COVID, there's a there's a higher chance, God forbid, of her passing away from it. Whereas if my little brother gets COVID, right, God forbid, there's a very good chance nothing's going to happen to my brother. He's going to be in bed for a couple days. I'll get yeah, over. But they're it. not worried about young people obviously getting sick. They're young. They're worried about young people giving it to older people. That's why they want the young kids to get vaccinated. Because even though the kids might know it might not be severe, they could give it to, like you said, like grandma. Well, I mean, ignoring the possible side effects of the vaccine, which we're not allowed to talk about on YouTube, um, but ignoring all that for a second, right? The evidence does not show that children can give the elderly the virus if they can't get the virus in the first place. It's been shown that that most people at schools that that schools are not like a COVID hotbed. Kids aren't getting it, the teachers aren't getting it. Who's getting COVID at the schools? Nobody, right? You bring up the statistics. The statistics don't bear that out, right? So it's not the kids that are gonna get COVID. It's still gonna be the older people that are gonna get COVID. It's most likely the kids are not gonna get COVID. And so between the side effects and the and the decreased odds of children getting and transmitting COVID, I have to ask people like, why do you want your kid to get the vaccine? Is there is there no concern at all? Do you not care that there might be side effects? Right? Well, also I think I think it also comes down to the other thing you were talking about is some parents, you know, un- unfortunately, there is a societal aspect to it. And some parents also feel like, look, 
you know, my kid needs an education, needs to go to school, wants to have playdates, wants to uh, hang out with other people. And unfortunately, either other parents or are, you know, really strict about COVID or really neurotic about COVID and being sick or the school is very overprotective about it. And unfortunately, in order for the kid to participate and, you know, kids are very high maintenance, you know, you need to, you know, have them have like, you need to water them, turn them towards the sun. Yeah. You know, you need them (laughs) to have a life. You can't just, you know, store them in the house all day. So yeah, they want their kids to be vaccinated because unfortunately society dictates that yes, you must be vaccinated and right. But that's, that's not what I'm talking about though. Like if a parent tells me like, Hey, listen, and and by the way, I, I I I hate this attitude too. But at least this attitude, I understand it, which is a very practical attitude. And the attitude is that oh, you know, I don't really care about the vaccine, but I want my kid to get out of the house, and I want them to go to school, and I want them, you know, I, yes, I need exactly. to get back to work, right? So I, I get that, right? What I don't understand is if I'm presenting these issues to someone who's a parent, right, and I say like, hey, listen, you know. These are the these are the odds. These are the statistics. This is what the virus is. You know, I'm I'm pointing out facts, and they go, "Well, I don't care what you say. I'm going to get my kid vaccinated. If you don't want to get your kids vaccinated, that's fine. Just stay away from my kids, right? As if like, like because listen, if you're getting the vaccine because you want your kid to participate in society, right? And that's purely what it is. Then you're going to listen to what I have to say, and you're going to say, "Hmm, that's interesting." But you know what? I can't afford to take that risk. I need my kid to participate in society, right? So I understand where you're coming from, but you know, it's the disrespect. It's like, oh, if you have a different opinion, it's fake news. I don't know where you're getting your news from, but it's fake news. I would sooner hang out with a person who is literally dying of COVID than someone who is behaving like this, where like no facts can get to you, nothing you like, no thinking, no logic. Like there's no it was interesting. I was talk. I was watching the Timcast IRL podcast from over the weekend, and they were saying that like some people are literally just zombies. Nothing you say can change their mind. If the government says A, they do A. If the government says jump, they ask how high. And it's, it's very amazing, just like seeing that dynamic because that's when I get very scared. That's when I just want to run to Florida, and we'll talk about Florida later. But uh, also, unfortunately. Like you mentioned before, another reason why I don't think this is going away is because there's money involved, okay? The fact that, yes, you must pay for the test and you must pay for the passports and green cards. And when you, let's say, you know, someone flies to Israel, which you can't right now, um, and, you know, you have to get for this test and that test and it costs a lot of money. It's a and racket. As, yeah, and as long as there's money involved, like it's not going to go away because people are always going to want money and these people want money is another way to make money. So I don't see it going away anytime for that reason as well. Right. But it's interesting because if you think about it, there's money to be made, right? Like imagine if tomorrow Israel or any other country, like imagine if, I don't know, say France, they decided we're done with COVID immediately. We're not closing down the airports Unless uh, they they announce like they make a new law that says we're not closing down the airport for COVID anymore, you're not allowed to close it for like they they met they they ban closing of the airports or things because of COVID, right? So if you get exposed to COVID, maybe you self isolate if you need to, um, but you know that's it, it's over. 
everything. You're allowed to come into the country. You can book flights. They won't cancel it for COVID reasons. Do you know how much money they would make? Uh, even just from the tourism alone. Not not just the regular tourism that would come back. I'm talking about the the in, the increased COVID tourism of the people who are like, thank God, it's been two years. I'll go fucking anywhere, right? If, yeah. if Uganda announced tourism, they would go to Uganda <laughs> because they just want to go somewhere, right? And imagine if they said, oh, we don't care about COVID anymore. Do you know how many people would flock to France? They said that. Do you know how many people would flock to England or to, I don't know, anywhere, yeah. Russia? North Korea, if North Korea, if if the North Koreans said, "Oh, we're not going to make you wear a mask," you know how many people would go to North Korea? Right now? <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, it, I would go there. Yeah, me too. I honestly. don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah, all, all hail supreme leader. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that that's people are sick of like regular people are sick of the pandemic already. So anyone who's smart enough would say. Hey, our economy would would go would would shoot through the roof immediately if we opened up to tourists. Israel has been trying to open up to tourists. We've spoken about it earlier. But the problem is is that they're not they're not here, they're not there. They're not fully committed to any they're not fully committed either to closing the borders and they're not fully committed to allowing tourism. So there are a lot of people who I know personally who are going to come over the next couple of weeks who their flights got canceled and they just, they're not going to make the trip because they can't afford to just constantly back and forth. Oh, is my flight canceled? Is it not canceled? They'd rather make more concrete plans. Even if the concrete plan is, you know, sit in their undies and, you know, drink a pina colada in their house with the AC on, you know, they, that, that's a better use of their time than spending money on a plane ticket. That's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, no, it's unfortunate. I know people personally that, they had a trip scheduled to go to Israel, and now they had to reschedule it to Florida. Oh, Florida's going to get the business, and Israel's not. I know people who are going to come to Israel, they were going to bring me stuff. And now they're not bringing me anything, and I'm not going to see them, and I'm not going to go out for dinner. And I'm just going to sit in my house waiting for... Play, was it a new video game or no? It, many things. It was multiple new video games, and <laughs> also some some... Hygiene products. I like the Dr. Squatch shampoos. I've become a bit of a follower. I know that uh, I don't want to be a consumer. They're actually very good natural soaps, deodorants. You ever noticed like that your deodorant can destroy your shirts over time? Not really. Oh, you never noticed that? Oh man, that's that's bad for me. Oops, my bad. Embarrassed. (laughs) That's embarrassing. Oops. (laughs) Oops. Um. Yeah. No. But I I like using natural deodorant better. Um. So I get it from the States. They don't really import it to Israel yet. So, Although I should try getting it on Amazon now. Um, we'll see. Anyways, but I get, you know, natural deodorant imported from the States and, you know, I wanted to bring it in. Uh, anyways, um, let's go to our next topic. What's the next topic? All right. Economics and why it's important. So I was up at four in the morning today. I woke up from a really, really bad nightmare. Um wow. Yeah, real quick. you you were actually in the nightmare. Oh, really? I hope I hope I you didn't trip me and leave me to get eaten by zombies. No, no, it was even worse. We drafted to the army again. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> we, I was I was in a class and I wasn't paying attention, and so the class was taught by my old captain, who decided that because I wasn't paying attention, he would draft me to the army again, 
which was weird because in the dream I thought it was in the army, but then he told me I was going to go to the army. I'm like, wait, I'm not in the army. And then I saw you were you were there. You had to explain to me that I wasn't in the army because you were paying attention and I wasn't. But for some reason you were punished too. So I guess I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Rody. Uh, my my okay. bad, Mubby. Um, and then I saw a bunch of people walking out of the classroom. Like, oh no! And then I woke up. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> it was awful. And so oh. I so that's why I was up and I just started watching YouTube shorts and I saw this short and it made me very angry because it was so economically illiterate. So we're gonna allow the, the clip to play and then we're gonna talk about it. Here's another list of things that I think should not cost money. First up, we have pads and tampons and really any feminine hygiene products. Do we really think women asked for this to just bleed randomly every month? I think the fuck not. Next up, we have parking. I already pay for the fucking car. Now I have to pay to put it somewhere. We really just whipped out our silly little paint and made rectangles and said, let's steal from people. Next up, we have water. Paying for something that quite literally keeps me alive. To be honest, I'd rather die of dehydration than give Poland Spring any more of my money. Water fucking created itself. Like, why do you think you can charge people for it. The next one is insulin. Another thing people need to stay the fuck alive. We're really just gatekeeping life. This is also something people just don't produce due to genetics. So what the fuck? And lastly, plane tickets to Florida. Why am I paying so much money to suffer? Hot take, but I'm pretty sure nothing good ever happens there. All right. So the reason why I brought it up is because there's a lot of economics issues in the news right now. But I, I don't think they matter as much as the general ignorance of economics displayed by the current society. So many people do not know how the economy works. For example, he taught this is one of the most striking examples to me. And I think it it's the difference between being an adult and being a well, being a toddler and being an an adult, right? And he says he's he thinks water should be free. Now, don't get me wrong. If water was free, you know, like I wouldn't be upset, but I mean, I'm just talking free. technically, if you go to the stream, it's free. No one's going to stop you from lapping up some water in the stream or taking a tinkle there. But, you know, um, the reality is, is that what you're paying for when you pay for bottled Poland spring water is the effort of getting drinking water to wherever it is on the globe that you want it. Right. That's what you that's what you're getting. You're you're paying for the convenience, not for not for the actual water. Well, I mean, in some cases you are paying for the water. So, for example, if you are in Israel and you're getting desalinated water or you're in California, you're getting desalinated water. You are literally paying someone to clean up ocean water for you because ocean water is useless. Right. You can't even use it to water the ground because it's too salty. It will destroy your crops. Right. Yeah. That's like, why you... like that's why there are no gardens on the coast. It's sand. Right. If it, if, yeah. it was, True. if it was useful, it would help crops grow, but there's no crops on the beach. Right. Um, so uh, it's, it's not useful for anything that we need as humans. So when you're desalinating water, you're making it drinkable. You're literally taking a thing that wasn't a thing and turning it into a thing that we can use now. Uh, or, you know, maybe, you know, if you're paying for bottled water or for water, through the pipe system, you're paying for water in your house as opposed to going and, you know, going to the well, right? Yeah. I mean, what people don't understand, and for some reason, a lot of people actually don't know this, but a lot of times you could go into a restaurant or a store that serves food or beverages, and you could literally ask them for a cup of 
you know, tap water, you don't need to go out to the fridge and buy a bottle of water and they will actually give it to you and it's free. A lot of people don't actually know that. Right. And a lot of these places offer service like that for for two reasons. Number one, they want you like maybe you're not interested in eating now, but you come back later and you're like, oh, they offered me free water. You know what? I'll try that place. Right. They'll do that. But also they know they're just public accommodations. They know that the people walking around are paying the taxes for the police and for the sidewalks and for the roads that allow people to come and patronize them. So they're more than happy to allow people to use the bathroom. Um, My personal rule, I think I learned this in Talmud classes, that when I go to a location, um, I like to try and uh, if I use the bathroom, I try to buy something. Like assuming it's not like a, I don't know, like a fancy wine and cheese store where I'm not prepared to make. But if I like walk into, I don't know, say like I walk into like a pizza shop, I'll buy like a cup of soda or something, you know, just to just to say that I, I didn't use a free load off their bathroom. But there are I'm many just imagining times. imagining like we're together and you like, hey, I'll be right back. I'm going to the bathroom and you come back with a really fancy like <laughs> wine and cheese. <laughs> Start speaking all fancy at the end of it. <laughs> well, well, it's actually funny because I actually did that one time. Like I actually did that. I I one time went to the barber shop and I needed some help with something, but the barber wasn't there. So I went next door to the to the guy who sells wine, and so I asked him for some help. And then I'm like, wow, I was just looking at the wines, but I didn't want to. I didn't have the heart to tell him that you know I was just looking. You know, I like wine, so he, he sold me like this really nice like $40 bottle of wine and I was like okay well you know it's actually I just recently had it it was very very good but uh it's like that that did happen to me one time where someone was very helpful to me so I patronized his business which I think is fine there's nothing wrong with that it's not uh it's a good thing actually it's good to build community like that you know but back to economics so he also like mentioned a few other things like you know how tampons should be free I mean Someone still has to produce those, you know, those products. I mean, if if no one else produced them, then, you know, there would just be I don't want to get graphic here, but, you know, our sidewalks would be all red. OK, <laughs> no, they, they listen. The, the reality is, is that we had other ways of dealing with it. But as with a lot of things, it was a long and arduous process. And, and it changed. Very, I think also yeah, it's more sanitary now, but. I think a lot of a lot of these feminine products were made by men who wanted their wives to, you know, be more comfortable, right? But I, I think in India there was a guy who it, it talks about this in this book, uh, Basic Economics by Thomas Sowell, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But it was a guy who, who who was so obsessed with helping his wife with her like you know problems there that like he went a little he like lost a lot of money and his wife left him for a little bit and then he made a ton of money because he solved the problem and i think people don't get like there's a certain removal people have from how things used to be when things were a lot more difficult and how they are now and and we as you know are are you gen z are you technically gen z i mean there's debates um, I'm 96 and there's debates whether Gen Z starts in 96 or 2000. Um, yeah. So, so, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely a millennial, but we're like right at the precipice. So, you know, millennials, Gen Z, we were born into a world that, that pretty much was already perfect. 
right? All political problems aside, if you're if you're a millennial living in the first world, you have it made, right? No concept of real suffering, right? Like my grandfather was in Soviet Russia, and I'm just like here, like, oh yeah, let's go get pizza. Can you imagine a bunch of these commies? Going up to Joseph Stalin, saying, "Oh, I want to be the the like the 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 commune poet." It's like, okay, buddy, get get your back against the wall now. Uh, <laughs> it's like it's, it's like, and that's why these people are so economically ignorant because they just don't know anything. They they don't know, and the problem is is that we don't. High school doesn't educate these kids. Like I remember in high school, and I went to a pretty good high school, all things considered. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't very well educated, but I learned a lot. But uh, no, it's it's unfortunate. They don't teach you personal finance. It's really an issue. They teach you everything else, and they like it's weird. They say like, "Oh, you need to be a you know general, well-rounded person," but they don't teach you the most important thing. If if education is meant to you know, in the end goal is supposed to have have you be educated and to make a living, well, the most important is to you know personal finance and you know economics, and they just don't teach that. I well, that's don't understand a, why. Well, I'm going to parse that statement there for a second. There's two things that you said that I'm going to have to disagree with. Number one, about the finances. I wasn't talking about finances here specifically. I was talking about economics. Now, it's okay. very – right. No, but it's not the same thing and there's a difference. And the reason why they're two separate topics is that finances is how you manage a bank account, right? Like personal finances is like – Okay, so here's how to save money. Here's how to like pay taxes, this, that, right? Like that's a very practical thing, and I think it's good for people to know that. I'm not, I'm not denigrating that at all, but I think to be a good citizen, it's more important to know economics, and economics is about the, well, an economy, right, is about scarce resources with alternative uses, right? That's that's what an that's what an economy is, right? That's why there's no air economy because air is practically like unless you live in a really really bad country there's enough air for everyone unlimited air you don't need any more air right but water is an economy because there's a limited amount of water and it has many uses it can go in your mouth as a drink it can be used to heat pasta you could shower with it you can um turn into holy water and you know <laughs> melt witches there's lots of things you could do no it's true you could do lots of things with water but the important thing is is that the last one's definitely the most important one <laughs> i mean listen if i if i'm going to go fight heretics i need the the tools of the trade right so power of christ compels you you know <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's too much. Um, this is supposed to be a nice Jewish podcast, I know. But uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways, uh no, but but the point is is that um you know, those serious topics aside, the 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 point I'm trying to make here is that there's many many uses for water. And so we have prices to to have people self-regulate how much water they need, right? That's why we don't just give out water for free because if everyone was taking as much water as they wanted, there would be a shortage, right? We actually, in Israel, there was, there was a great video made by PragerU talking about why Israel became the water, the, the hydro superpower of the Middle East. And it's because in Israel, they made sure that water was always priced at market price. You weren't allowed to charge, you weren't allowed to give discounts, and you weren't allowed to raise the price. And that's why Israel became a water superpower because they followed the rules of econo economics. 
they ended up having and surplus. Also, the fact that you know there's not a lot of it, so they had to invent ways to make more, like creating more filters to use water from the Mediterranean and stuff like that. Well, desalination was a thing they did, but more importantly, and I think this is this came first, was the drip irrigation. They literally found a way to use yeah. the least amount of water to water their crops. Yeah, like they didn't I remember like that. like in ancient Egypt. You know what they would do? They would like build canals so that when the Nile overflew, like it would just cover yeah, their fields. Flood. Yeah, it would yeah. flood. But that's a waste of water, and many times that could kill crops. Right? It, it, drip irrigation is very useful, not only because it saves water, but it allows them to use water that you wouldn't use for drinking necessarily. So also, it's like very efficient. It's like you're giving a little bit. You're you're giving it. You're not giving it a lot but like like at a you're giving it just enough you're giving it just enough constantly instead of giving it a lot in one you know pour and then right. you know a few hours later giving it another pour right you don't you don't have to think about it it's very it's very nice um but also it allows them to use like water like after the you've relieved yourself that you wouldn't necessarily drink right but if you use it to water the crops you're watering the crops with really, really good water because if it's just wastewater, well, human waste is good fertilizer. So you use it to water the crops and then, you know, then the water goes up into the sky. It, it condenses, goes up in the sky. There's more rain. It's actually why Israel has become less of a desert over time. And it's why Nevada is becoming less of a desert because of that same reason, because as more people plant crops and they're watering the ground, more water is evaporating into the into the atmosphere, and it's creating clouds, which causes rain, which changes the climate. Climate change. There we go. Proved climate change. Uh, <laughs> there we go. We did it, boys. We, we don't have yeah. to do the podcast anymore. We proved it. All right. Um, yeah. So yeah. So you think that learning economics is more important? Yes. Than personal finance. Yes, because uh, personal finances are very important. Don't get me wrong. You know, you need to know how to balance a bank account, how to pay taxes, things like that. I think that's very important. But economics is not just about your individual money. It's about how the government spends money and what the words they say to justify it and how the different uh, aspects in society interact with each other. Uh, so, for example, it's very important. The reason why economics is very important is because unlike finance, economics will teach you how the diff how essentially the butterfly effect, right? If you do one thing in one sector of the economy, it can affect a different sector of, an, of the economy, right? A lot of people don't learn that. They, they, don't, they don't get that concept that if you, if you do something, you try to solve a problem by legislating, it can have wide-reaching effects. And that is hopefully what the study of economics will do, right? Economic... So yeah, so you're saying they should learn that in high school because people learn economics in, in college, but you're saying that they should learn it in elementary and high school. No, not maybe not elementary school, but by not elementary. Elementary is a little kids. early, but <laughs> but no, but like honestly, why not high school? If you if you have time to learn, I don't know, Lord of the Flies in high school, right? You have time to learn basic economics by Thomas Sowell. It's not even a perfect book, by the way. Like there are things there that I disagree with, right? But it's an it's it's a good start, right? It's a good book. For, it's a good starting off point for people to understand economics, right? Real economics, not Marxist economics, not feminist economics. Uh, when I took an econ class 
in college, right? This is already in the Hebrew University. Like we had like feminist and Marxist economics, which is just nonsense. But more importantly, you want to learn real economics, like the school of uh, the school. uh, What's what's the different schools of thought and economics? There's the Chicago School, and there's uh, uh, what is there? What else is there? I don't remember. My, I wasn't a very good student, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, it's very it's very important to to understand these basic relationships that things have with each other. And I'm not saying like, have you ever taken an economics class? Uh, yes. And what was interesting about that, it was a Russian woman who grew up in the old, you know, Soviet Russia. So she knew the differences between, you know, capitalism and communism, like the real communism. And, you know, she loved capitalism. She she did not like it. I mean, besides for me not understanding a word or what she said because of her accent. But, I mean, she – I mean, I did learn a lot from that class and it was a good class. Right. So, I mean, I also took an economics class. I wasn't particularly good, but it was taught in another language. So there is that. Um, that's more than a lot of other people can say. Uh, but what I will say is that if I was designing – like if I could go back to – my local high school where I went to school, I would tell the principal, Hey, listen, instead of teaching uh, the color of water or Chaim Potox, the chosen, have them read basic economics over the summer. Like it's a very good book. It's not like dry and boring. And honestly, they're going to have more than enough time to read useless literature that no one cares about in 10 years from now. Or the big short. That was also a really good one. The big short. So the big short is, uh, a, I mean, it was a book that's, I forget who wrote it. And then they made it to a movie with a lot of famous people. And it's literally just about the 2008 um, housing crisis. And it goes, and it really, it's a very educational movie. Right. So. But, but like, I don't, I guess maybe it's just nitpicking. But if I was making an economics class for high school kids, it wouldn't have graphs. There wouldn't be charts. I wouldn't be asking them to calculate. And like, you've ever done those charts where like you have to like draw the two lines and find out where they intersect. Uh, and yeah, yeah, like I never yeah. liked that because it was all theoretical and I hated that. Like I can understand the point without drawing the damn graph, right? That that I don't really care about that. Um, what what interested me was more the theory, right? And the theory is is like things relate to each other, right? Yeah, like supply and demand and other things yeah it's important that the kids get the concept so i would go to the high school and say here's here's a textbook on economics very simple very easy to read have you ever read basic economics by thomas Sowell? um no i never i didn't get to it you get to it so it's actually a book i highly recommend i think everyone should read it i have a copy between me and one of my roommates we have a copy in both hebrew and english yeah but i'm also not in a rush to read it because i know economics a lot so (laughs) Right. But the way that I think is very interesting about the way that Thomas Sowell writes is that when he teaches economics, he teaches economics in a way where he almost says, here's the concept. We're going to explain why it's important by using an example of where it didn't exist and using that to explain its function. So that's that's what I find very fascinating about that book, that it doesn't it doesn't say like it's it's a very practical book because unlike a lot of classes where they talk about what they what the concept is supposed to do or what the thing is supposed to represent or whatever here it's like very practical okay so this is what it's supposed to do oh so how do you know 
that this is what it's supposed to do. Well, let's look at a situation where this didn't exist, right? For example, he talks about brands and why brands are important. And he explains that in the Soviet Union, for example, where everything was the Soviet Union brand, the Soviets, the, the citizens, they actually got good at looking at the barcode and seeing which factory came out of, and they used the factory as a brand. So it was very interesting that they do it that way. And that's why I think it makes such a fantastic economics book for people. And and I feel and I feel like it's very important because we're having this crisis now where the the, the banks are now uh, I think the Federal Reserve they want to raise the interest rate because the inflation is getting too high. And yeah, then you have it's around six point eight at this point this year, which is it's the highest in the last, since the eighties. Dude, I feel it. Like you go to the supermarket and just the things you can get with a hundred dollars is just so much different. Yeah. So they want to raise the interest rates to try to mitigate that. See, that's the thing. I don't even know how that would help. I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm also economically illiterate in that way. Like, I because don't because by raising, I'll, I'll just do a little bit of explanation by raising the in, by raising interest rates, then businesses will will be less tempted to take out more loans. Therefore doing less business and by you know doing less business there'll be i guess less demand so essentially they want to deflate the currency by decreasing demand um something like that basically in companies won't be taking out as much money because there'll be a higher interest rate on it so they will essentially be doing a lot less with it and would, it would basically slow down the the economy's growth. That's the point of it. When when you make interest rates low, they do that so they can grow the economy fast because then people will be tempted to take out more loans. And when they want to slow down the economy, um, for for example, because of you know inflation, then uh, they bump up interest rates so that you know it slows down the the growth of the economy. I think I basically didn't understand that, but okay, that's because I'm a moron. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got it more or less. I think I think I understood it. So I mean, look, the, I could go into way more detail, but that would take another hour. Um, no, for sure, no, and th- and that's not the important thing. The important thing is that the important thing is that people don't understand, right? And yes, the stupid TikTok video is the stupid TikTok video, right? But it's what the stupid TikTok video means, right? It's now these people who are making these stupid TikTok videos, every four years, they're going to be voting for the president of the United States, and they're going to be making decisions based on thinking that water should be free, right? Our ancestors didn't think water should be free. They knew that you could go down to the stream and get your water, but they wanted good water. They wanted more convenient water. They wanted better water, so they paid for it, right? If we had the attitude that axiomatically – not that – listen, I can understand if someone wants to say, hey, listen, that stream – that stream isn't a nature preserve. That water should be off limits to big corporations. I get that. I can hear that, right? You, you agree with me, right? In a nature preserve, uh, that should be off limits, yeah. Cause it's yeah, I, I think we can all agree with that. I think I think we can agree that if, let's say, um, on public land or on you know non-government, uh, unlike government-owned land or whatever, that like you should be able to walk up to a stream and start lapping up water. I think we can agree with that, right? Yeah. Right. The thing is, is that, you know, most people, when they say water is free, they mean it as a truism, that it's always true 
There's never a situation where you should have to pay for water. And if we didn't, and if we believe that, right, then we would still be living in a time where we would have to go down to the well to get water. Because if, let's say, the guy building the pipes into our house said, oh, this water that's coming into your house, you're going to have to pay the water company for that water. They're going to be charging you. And you have to do maintenance on the pipes. They'd say, well, water should be free. And I guess they'd say, oh, well, I guess, I'm not, I, I guess I'm just not building pipes in your house. But guess what? If enough people don't want to build pipes in their house, we don't have a water company. We'd still be you know, <laughs> pooping in outhouses and getting water from the well, which I think, I think we can all agree that having running water in the house is very nice. I mean, but it also is somewhat free. You can go to a public park and, and you know, they have uh, water fountains. But even that's not even free because that's pay with your tax dollars. Yeah, it's not, it's not free. It's just you're not – it's just where you're paying the costs, right? Uh, the question – like it's it's the same. Everything has a cost, right? And And this idea that there should be public ownership of most things, right, that's a very retrograde attitude, right? That's In why the econom- – and the economics, that's the number one – that's the first rule you learn is there's no such thing as a free lunch. There's no such thing. Everything and, – and that's another thing people don't get. There's the price of the thing and then there's the cost of the thing, right? If you go to the water fountain at the at the park, right, and you drink the water, the price may be zero. You may not have to barter to drink that water, but there is a cost, right? You're not paying it up front, but you're paying it on the back end. Someone's paying it on the back end. Right, people don't get that. They don't. They don't. Di- they don't get the difference between price and cost. And it's very easy to make that mistake because you go to the store, you say, uh, "What's the price?" or "How much is this going to cost me?" Right, but the cost is not the price. The price is how, is the number next to it that tells you what you need to barter to get that thing. Right. More broadly, of course, I, I of, of course some econo- economist is going to get upset at me because I'm sure the, the 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 definition of price is a little more broad than that. So forgive me for anyone watching this who's economically inclined, um, but strictly speaking, you know the price is the the number next to the object that says how much it costs or how much how much you need to barter for it. But the cost is all the things you could have done if you didn't take that thing or you didn't do that thing. Can you repeat that? All the things you could have done if what? If you didn't take the thing, right? Or you didn't make the decision. If you made a different decision, right? So the cost of so the price of a hamburger could be a dollar, but the cost of a hamburger could be an ice cream. It could be a milk carton. It could be, uh, it could be a pack of trading cards. It could be, uh, literally anything that costs a dollar. Right? It's all the things you don't have access to now that you made the decision to buy a hamburger. Oh, you're talking about potential. Okay. Yeah, it's like all the alternative uses for that dollar. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So, and people don't get that. Right. They don't get. That if, let's say, the guy who's bringing water into your house, right, if he's not compensated properly, he's not going to do that. He's going to find something else that makes him money. The cost of him doing business in your house is not good enough for him to do it for free on the on the axiom that water should be a human right. You know, as sad as it is, uh, the reality is, is that it's a very forward thinking way of doing things when we say that people deserve to be compensated for their work and that there's private property. It's very forward thinking. It's very useful for that. Yeah. Things, things that he doesn't understand is he's a, he's trying to say that in his video that maybe we shouldn't be paying for the water. It should be free. And they like the government should maybe be, should be 
paying for the water. But even if the government does paying, you're still paying for it through your tax dollars. Yeah, he'd be complaining about something else. If if everything was paid for by the government, right, someone would be complaining that the taxes are too high or people would be saying that the government's going to default. There's a reason why this doesn't work. Eventually, eventually you have to pay. The bill comes, right? You can't You can't be on the dole forever. And also, these companies making money is an incentive to, you know, give bottled water. If... Like, for example, the reason why people are making bottled water, because there's obviously a demand for bottled water. If there wasn't a demand for bottled water, no one would be buying bottled, you know, they, there wouldn't be bottled water because there would be no demand. I mean, there's simply just places where it's very difficult to get water to through any sort of natural body, right? Yeah, so are we talking about a desert or are we talking about New York City? Like, no, not just not just a desert. I'm talking about, let's say you go to a remote place in the middle of nowhere, right? It's not necessarily a desert. Maybe it's very mountainous. Maybe it's very mountainous. Maybe, maybe, there, maybe it's like cold. It's mountainous. So you can't really drink the ice, right? You're going to freeze, right? So if someone sets up shop, they bring a bottle of water. Now all of a sudden you have drinking water and you don't have to worry, oh, is it contaminated with some animal took a piss on it? Oh, this, that, you know, they bring you fresh water. And guess what? No one's forcing you to buy Poland Spring bottled water. If you don't want to buy bottled water from Poland Spring or Nestle or whatever it is, they make containers you could put water in from the tap, but that also costs money. You just don't pay for it at the tap. You pay for it at the monthly bill or the bi-monthly bill or wherever it is. You're still paying for it. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> right? You're, you're always paying for water. Um, it's just a question of where the bill comes. People people don't get that the bill is always there. They just don't always – they don't always pay attention. Yeah, exactly. But economics, thinking economically, right? Thinking in terms of what is this going to cost me, right? That's good even for things that don't cost money, right? That's good for for houses. Like if you're trying to rent a house, it's good for making religious decisions. It's good for making uh, decisions if you want to marry someone. Like what are the cost-benefit analysis of marrying this person, right? It sounds very unromantic, but everyone makes that kind of calculation in their head, right? There are times when if everyone had the option to date as many people as they wanted, and there was no consequence for dating multiple people. Most people would never make an economic decision about who they sleep with, right? It's because they can only sleep with one person. If they can only get married to one person, then they start saying, hmm, do I really want to sleep with this person? Do I not want to sleep with this person? We see this lack of economic thinking everywhere. Everywhere you go, people do not think in, in a way that is beneficial to them. And uh, it's very sad. And if only they taught basic economics in high school maybe we wouldn't be we wouldn't be subjected to tiktok videos that talk about all the things that would be free if only unicorns existed and they ate rainbows and farted butterflies anyways um but let's get to the next topic that's uh i think very relevant to the past two topics and kind of wraps them all up in a nice little neat little bow as our final topic today ron DeSantis proving that he is the greatest man he is one of the best leaders in our days they just passed the Stop Woke Act. Pretty woke. No, Stop Woke Act. <laughs> um, do you know what it stands for? I actually never knew. I actually don't know what woke actually stands for. No. Is it an it, acronym? No, here it's an acronym. Oh, here's an acronym. But woke is usually not an acronym. It's not. It means you're awake to injustices or things like That's that. That's what I thought it was. It's like, yeah, you're yeah, awake, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. It's like you're but, taking away the A kind of. So, yeah. So it's kind of <laughs> like in Brooklyn Nine-Nine where. Um, 
this is a great moment where uh, although it's kind of woke, so it, it's ruined by the wokeness, but it, it was it was funny in context where uh, Captain Holt, you know who Captain Holt is, right? Yeah, yeah. So he says, uh, I am, as the kids say, awake. And then the main character goes, don't you mean woke? He says, well, yes, but that's gra- grammatically incoherent because he's the robot captain. So he, he insists on speaking correct uh, uh, correctly in proper grammar all the time, which is why that's funny. But uh, Which is why what you said is even funnier because it reminded me of that. But yeah, but here woke is actually an acronym. It's – the the whole thing says stop wrongs against our kids and employees act. All right. Right. So Good what play on words. It is a nice play on words. I like this. Um, Ron DeSantis, again, proving that he is a leader, right? He's tackling wokeness by essentially saying this is a two. This is a two. There's two main aspects to this bill. Parents can sue schools for schools teaching woke ideology for critical race uh, applied principles, right? And employees can sue companies for making them sit in on diversity training, things like that. Okay. Right. And uh, this is important. Well, you mean there's two aspects. It's the, the first one is that they're not allowed to force their employees and the schools are not allowed to enforce on the kids. No, the kids are not allowed to be taught woke theory at all, right? Yeah. Right? That's the ban, okay. That's the ban, right? But also, it allows employees, if they're forced to do diversity training, to do diver- – like, namely, let's say you work for a company, right? And all of a sudden, they say, oh, we're having a diversity training with HR, blah, 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 blah. You can say, oh, well, <laughs> that's cute. Well, I don't, I don't really want to do that, so – Bye. Good one. Yeah, yeah, that's cute. That's cute. I'm gonna go back to my desk and do something else. See ya. Bye. Um, I have I have a feeling that once you once you that in Florida, HR departments are gonna fall apart tomorrow. <laughs> HR is the worst, honestly. Like age. Oh my god, HR is just the worst. Um, ugh, HR. No, but the, but the but the reason it would is because immediately if like let's say you said. Oh, you don't have – oh, this this meeting that everyone needed to go to to get paid and to qualify for this thing and that thing, I don't have to do it now. It's like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to go to my desk or I'm just going to go eat a sandwich or do literally anything else other than be here and sit here and do woke stuff because I don't care how woke you are. You don't wake up in the morning – and say to yourself, oh, you know what I want to do right now? I want to sit on a on a woke seminar right now. Really want to do that. That's what they really want to do. That, that's that's how they get it because they know that you have to work, right? They know you have to earn a living. So what they do is, is that if you're already there, you're a captive audience. And they say, oh, if you don't do the diversity training, if you don't do this, you don't do that, then you get fired for not complying with regulations. So now Ron DeSantis said, oh, well, if the companies do that, you can sue the companies will back you up. Yeah, which is probably the more important part of the bill is that the employees and the parents can take action. Right. This is very similar to the Texas abortion bill, which essentially says anyone can sue a doctor for performing an abortion, which if I just like I understand it sounds bad to some people. But if you think about it, right, if you think about what they what Republicans believe abortion is, which is to say a murder, right? Then if it's murder, then there's no reason why I shouldn't be allowed to say, hey, this guy did an abortion. He committed murder. I want to take him to court, right? And so here it's the same thing. It's like, oh, 
critical race theory. It's like racist. It goes against uh, Title IX. Um, and it's against the American founding creed. And it's also this uh, this foreign ideology that's coming to supplant itself as the dominant religion. And uh, and so people want to say no. And so this this gives fangs to the people who don't want to sit in HR meetings or have their kids taught about how bad white people are how, and how terrible black people you know are oppressed or whatever. What would usually happen if if parents if that part wasn't there for parents allowed to take action? What would happen? So what would happen is is that. If let's say this – like this is what we saw throughout the country, right, where essentially the parents would know that the kids are being taught the critical race theory, right? We actually saw it this last week. There was some mother who came in crying to – yelling and screaming, crying into one of these parent – you know, one of these school board meetings because apparently the, the school um, allowed this woman's daughter or I, I think woman's daughter – to change her name and start identifying as a boy without letting the mom know. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like she came like yelling and screaming. Like you, you can go on YouTube, watch the clip. If you've watched any other podcasts, you've seen the clip. It's not a, it's not a secret, but uh, I felt bad for this woman, you know, but under, under these rules, if let's say this mom found out that school did that, she could take them to court herself. She doesn't have to go through the school board. She doesn't have to talk to them about it. You just say, Oh, like, Oh, this is, this is what they're teaching my kid. This is what they taught my kid. Here's the evidence. Here's the proof. And now it's in court. It's not being dealt with by the school board. It's being dealt with a court of law. And that's what's really important about this because you're not going to – in 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 Florida, you're not going to see any more school board meetings. You're not going to see it at all. You want to know why? Because guess what the parents are going to do? If, they, if the parents feel – the schools are are taking advantage of their kids, teaching them critical race applied principles, teaching them gender theory. If you know, they're just going to get sued, and that's going to give the law fangs, because there's nothing like there's no institution that could stop them from being taken to court, and just everyone can go now. And the parent doesn't even have to win the case to do damage because the lawsuit alone. You know, no one wants to deal with a lawsuit. There's a lot of money that goes into it and a lot of time that just they don't want to go through. So it's a pain to have to go through, you know, a a lawsuit, which is in itself a punishment. Right. And imagine – and it's not just one parent because if it was one parent, it would be like, okay, well, one parent. But imagine if every single individual parent came and said, oh, you taught my kid this or you taught my kid that. I guess what? The school can't handle that. So now all of a sudden they have to start keep teaching your kids math again. <laughs> can you or, imagine? Yeah, or they can start teaching economics in our it, case. <laughs> well, well, now that they have all this time where they're not <laughs> teaching critical race applied principles, maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll teach the kids something about economics. Maybe then we'll stop seeing these TikTok videos. Uh, oh man, that would that would be great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um but can you imagine? It's like I really want to borrow. I really want to borrow Ron DeSantis for the weekends. Can we just? <laughs> we need Ron DeSantis in Israel. Like, can can we borrow him, please? Like, listen, just give us ten days with Ron DeSantis. 
He's the God King of Israel for 10 days. He'll fix up. We'll give him right back to Florida. We promise. We promise we'll give him right back. <laughs> we promise we'll give him. We just need to borrow him for a little bit. We, we have so many problems that we just need someone to fix them. <laughs> can you imagine? You just. Ugh. Yeah. And, you know, also, you know, can New York borrow him? Do you live in New York? Or I thought you live in Jersey. I do, but you know, I'm basically a New Yorker. I'm 15 minutes away. Oh, that's I know right. That's right. A, I mean, this is going to get a lot of you know a lot of red flags out there for New Yorkers listening. But uh, that's exactly why I'm saying it because I know it probably bothers you. But yeah, no, I always say to people I live in near New York, so or I just say I'm a New Yorker. That's true. <laughs> that's true. And, and and listen, if it can piss off a New Yorker. And that's that's pretty much the only reason you need to do it. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> My life's complete. Just to hear them say, "Hey, I was walking there. What well, was cutting me in line?" Hey. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Why are we making fun of them like they're Italian? New Jersey is basically New Italy. I don't know why we're we're saying that. Anyways, but yeah, no, we we need Ron DeSantis in Israel. Oh my God. Anyways. Thank you for joining us this week. You can find us on YouTube. This is a new thing. Uh, Google, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Audible. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we look forward to seeing you next week.